everybody. Welcome back to the Glass Seats Podcast. This is episode 10, and this is our show where two hockey aficionados discuss their perspectives on headlines surrounding the NHL, including recent stories, game highlights, elite culture, and other topics trending amongst the fans. This is Vidi. My name is Mernal, and this week in hockey, the Stanley Cup final has been kind of been a blowout. Yep. Two games are done. Uh, game three is going on right now while we're recording on Thursday, June 8th. Uh, Vegas has won both of them dominantly. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's going exactly as I expected. Um, I, I think I, yeah, I said Vegas in five and, um, I, this is one, I think this one is one of the only series that I could actually predict the, the game count. And I think it's going to be first three go to Vegas, Florida will pull out a game somewhere, go back to Vegas and expect another blowout. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's just how the series has gone so far. You know, I'm not quite ready to write off Florida just yet. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I said last show, Hey, we might see Florida struggle out of the gate. They've been because because they swept Carolina, uh, they've kind of been off for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And you could kind of see it in their game. Um, Bobrovsky didn't look quite set, and he's a big part of that Florida defense. Mm-hmm. And the way Florida plays, they kind of rely on this chaos, right? Yeah. They'll throw big hits. They'll jump in passing lanes. They'll throw um, a pass straight up the middle, like a long stretch pass or like a flip pass, right, to get it out of the zone really quickly. So they rely on that confusion and that chaos. But when you play like that, if your team itself is kind of out of sync, it's not going to work, right? Your passes to nowhere. um, You're going to be holding on that puck just a fraction too long and a Vegas player will come and take it. And that's exactly what we saw in the first two games, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Game three, which we've been kind of following here while setting up for this recording, um, has been a lot closer. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's currently, it's 2-1, start of the third period. And this is kind of more what I expected. You know, this is how Florida plays. One goal games where they'll suddenly pull a goal out and yeah. try and score, right? This is um, the kind of game Florida likes to play. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, um, those first two were rough, but I can see Florida getting back into them now. And I think depending on what happens on this game, if they win this one, I could see them tying it up and then we got a best of three. Yeah, in my opinion, I think tonight is a must win for Florida. I think they should treat this like an elimination game because they know Vegas is uh, Vegas is that team. Vegas is the real deal. Um, and... Honestly, I would even go as far as to say you can't go back to Vegas with a three-one, the three-one deficit. That's that's too dangerous. Um, and I mean, in general, like I'm glad you said, you know, Vegas is very coordinated. I guess you could say. Yeah. yeah. Um. And yeah. And the last time, honestly, I can remember seeing a franchise this coordinated was um. Glad you put the jersey up. Was uh, Detroit in the late 2000s? Oh yeah, that Datsuk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Datsuk Zetterberg. Oh my God, that team was unstoppable. Like you, everything was perfect. It was like art on on ice, and that's what it looks like with Vegas right now. I, I think you're discounting some of the teams we've seen in the past. That was what almost 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, even Colorado last year was that was true. very yeah, very yeah. coordinated. Yeah. Um, Tampa for their cups kind of played a rough and tumble type of game. I think so too. Yeah. Um, but you know, the season they lost to Columbus in the regular season, they're very, very that type of tight and coordinated, you know, no extraneous passes anywhere. Right. right? So, um, it's two very different styles and I'm, I'm glad we're on this kind of subject. I wanted to talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Um, the way Florida plays, I said, was very chaotic, right? Yeah. But and Vegas, like you're saying, is is very controlled and you know passes everywhere. But I don't think Vegas is afraid of the chaos. Like mm-hmm. they can hold their own in that type of game. You know, they're big. Um, this is actually uh, coming from the Steve Dangle podcast. They brought up the point: the only player on Vegas's roster that's under six foot is Jonathan Marchessault. 
Oh my god. They're I didn't huge. know that. Yeah, I didn't know they're that. They're huge. Yeah. They're not afraid to throw the body around then. Yeah. So um and I think that's kind of what we're seeing the difference between Vegas and um whoever else Florida played in these playoffs. Yeah. Is they're a lot more comfortable pushing back yeah. against Florida's, you know, um big checks and big uh, you know, digging into the corners and uh, you know, Radko Gudas just yelling in your face all the time. You yeah. Know? Vegas is pushing back against that and they can hold their own in that type of game. And they're skill, super skilled on the top end. Mm-hmm. You know, that's kind of what Florida is missing is they don't have that top end skill like Vegas does, mm-hmm. right? Sure, they have some players, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk, uh, Barkov, but it's not at the level of what Vegas's forwards have done. Yeah. So um, I think I'm really enjoying seeing Vegas play both styles of games. So like, you want to get rough and tumble, we'll get rough and tumble. Mm-hmm. You give us um, any space to make a pass, we're going to make that pass. Mm-hmm. So like you're saying, they're looking kind of unstoppable those first two games. And yeah, I agree. This is a must. Game three is a must win right here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think going back to uh, to game two, um, I actually, I believe it was in game one where Vegas got their own version of, if you're if you're listening to on audio, the save um, from oh, the yeah. Washington series, yes, uh, Braden yes. Holby's the save. And it was actually a very similar save with the stick. Um, and again, uh, Vegas was already uh, like kind of in charge before that save yeah, had that happened. Yeah, that game was over. Yeah, that game was already done. So it wasn't like a game changer the way that 2018 Holby save was. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, the the momentum, like it's, it's got to be good for Vegas fans from the inaugural season to see that like finally go their way um, mm-hmm. instead of, you know, the other way around. Because in 2018, uh, Vegas was not the same team after that, after Braden Holby made that save. Yeah. I mean, hockey is a game of momentum. And when your goalie makes a save like that, that's all the momentum in your favor. It's huge. Yeah. Right? Hill yeah. uh, has been playing lights out. Um, oh, yeah. Do you want me to read you the stat line right here? Yeah. Hill, game one, 943 save percentage. Hill, game two, 935 save percentage. Mm-hmm. I, Which is strange because I, th- the insane amount of stat lines that uh, Bob was putting up, Mm-hmm. I really thought this was going to be a closer series, but um, again, it, it, maybe it's the two week rust. Maybe it's maybe that finals magic, whatever. Like, kind of, kind of haunted them. I don't know. I really don't know. In the timeline we are living in, Dallas might have just lost Florida the cup. Honestly, I think so because I I very much believe that as soon as like you know Vegas kind of finished off that series, I, I would say not even that. If as soon as Vegas went up three zero. I was like, I think they just won the cup right there. I thought, mm-hmm. I think the only team that they were going up against that legitimately, you know, had a chance of stopping Vegas was, you know, Dallas. Yeah. And they went down 3-0 and sure, they may, managed to make it 3-2, but I don't know. Like, I, I think Ve- or Dallas had the best chance of stopping them and they didn't. So. I don't know, man. If that Florida team stayed on, if Vegas swept Dallas and they just kept playing games, I would not put it past that Florida team. So you think I- it's the rust? I, I think it's the rust, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Bobrovsky we saw in game one and game two was not the Bobrovsky we saw in the Carolina series or the rest of the playoffs either. or the rest of the playoffs, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, um, Bobrovsky stat lines having them here to eight, seven, nine in game one mm-hmm. and game two, six, nine, two. And then he was pulled for yeah. Alex Leon who also didn't put up a great number. He put up a uh, 800. Yeah. And Bobrovsky's back in net for game three and yeah. he's been playing pretty damn well. Yeah. Uh, Vegas's goals in game three have all been power play goals. Oh, wow. So, um, and there were like no chance cross crease mm-hmm. and I, which I'd put more on the defense than Bob. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I, going back real quick to the game two. Um, so yes, it was, it was a pretty bad blow. seven two. Um, but mm-hmm. what, what, what was your thoughts on, you know, like the, the composure. Obviously we saw all those pictures of the very empty Florida bench and, yeah. you know, 10, 10 game, 
10 minute uh game of sconics and stuff um yeah i what do you think how does that reflect on the series do you think that was a accurate reflection of what's going on in the series or or of florida's mentality what are your thoughts on all that i mean i don't know anyone who expected anything different from florida this was always this has always been their game right you get in the opponent's face, you push them into the boards, you wear them down, and you beat them physically. Mm-hmm. So when you're getting blown out, and I don't remember what the score was at the time that all the penalties were either. pushed yeah. out, but it was it was over. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. Like, of course they're going to do this. This mm-hmm. is Florida, right? And this is what they do. They push, and Paul Maurice has been doing an expert job of trying to get penalties in his team's favor, right? Yeah. I think, was it the Toronto series where he's sitting on the bench with the, with the four one? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, like this has always been their game, right? Like get in the face and overwhelm the refs and say, okay, you're not going to call everything. Mm-hmm. And it, lo and behold, in the Stanley cup final, they're kind of calling everything. Yeah. I'm very surprised by that. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't really know. Like, obviously you can look at this either way that it's, it's biased either towards Vegas or towards Florida, mm-hmm. whatever. But there's a lot there, you know, the traditional, oh, just let the, let the boys play in the finals. Haven't really been seeing it this year. Yeah. Can I, can I make a meta point before we go into sure, this yeah, conversation? Yeah, yeah. I hate, I always hate discussing refing, especially in the playoffs, you know, because whether it's the refs or the hockey culture amongst us fans, mm-hmm. we've created this concept of there's no win when you talk about the refing, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can say like, Hey, they're calling all of the, they're not calling any of this. Mm-hmm. Right. Then uh, fans say, Oh, well, this is the playoffs. You should expect it. The rest put away their whistles. This is how it's always been. Mm-hmm. But then you flip it to the other one and say, Hey, they're calling it way too much for what it should be. Mm-hmm. Then you don't really have a leg to stand on. They're like, Hey, a penalty is a penalty. Yeah. Right. So, what am I supposed to say here? Am I supposed to just tell her, okay, the rest are call what they call. And we just, the rest of us just have the deal. Yeah. Like there's no, a no win way to discuss officiating in the NHL. And the only thing that serves is the refs who get to decide what they want to do on the ice all the time. Right. Yeah. We, as the fans have to do a better thing of calling it out. Like, yes, I understand that it's not going to be called the same way as a regular season. Maybe. Yeah my ideal situation would be all the rules should not have any gray area yeah. and you can review things and you can just call the rules as the rules are written. Mm-hmm. But I'm saying, okay, that's a stretch too far to get to right now. Mm-hmm. All I'm asking for is consistency, man. Yeah. Like, what are you going to call? Like have some standards. Yeah. Right. Like there's a, there's a limited group of refs that do the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Not every uh, ref that does the regular season does the playoffs. Only mm-hmm. the experienced ones do. And between all of you, you can't come up with some standard, man. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, or I don't even want to get into like suspensions. Right. But you know, there's no winning way to discuss this. Like I was saying, right. Like, yes, that was a penalty and we can argue about whether you should have called it or not. And either way I'm wrong for even bringing it up. Yeah. Right. Like there's no civil discussion yeah. anymore. It feels like now putting my soapbox away. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I understand because yeah. <laughs> even I was watching the Nuggets heat game yesterday and, um, it felt like at first there were just a bunch of blatant calls on 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 den this was, the game was in miami it, it felt like it was a bunch of blatant calls on denver mm-hmm. um and not the other way around and then all of a sudden the refs started calling just random random things on, on miami and i was like make it make sense there's no consistency like i'm at this point yeah. i'm like i really don't know what's an offensive foul i don't know what's a defensive foul i don't know mm-hmm. uh, you know what i mean i really just feel like you're throwing darts at a board and you know what really drove um the uh, point home for me was a few weeks ago start of the playoffs mm-hmm. um i have a friend with me who doesn't watch hockey 
And I was like, oh, you should check this out. Come watch a game with me, right? So uh, we're sitting, we're eating dinner, we're watching the game. I forget what game it is, but something in the first round, right? Then he starts asking me questions about the rules. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, uh, is that a penalty or is that a penalty? And 90% of my answer was, it depends. <laughs> and that did not feel good, right? How This is how a sport grows, right? Oh, man. This is the biggest way a sport grows is when your friends are into it and you show um, your friends the sport and say, yeah. hey, this is cool, watch this. Yeah, literal word of mouth. Yeah. But I'm sitting on the couch like, how do I explain to him that this is basically just a sport run by these four officials on the ice and they'll decide yeah. what type of game it is. And yeah. who knows? You, you ever play a board game that's just way too overly complicated for no reason at all because of all the rules? Well, I think you're going at the wrong audience. I've, I love complicated board games. Uh, okay, fair enough. I Yeah, yeah. I've, <laughs> I've played some of those games before and I'm like, and everyone starts cheering. And I'm like, ah, I did something, I think. And I'm just pretending like to know what the rules are so I don't look like an idiot. Yeah. That's what it's felt like watching the NHL playoffs so far. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just, I don't know. Like, make it make sense. Anyways. Yeah. But All right. Soapbox away yeah coming back to your point here about officiating yeah regardless of what the officials are doing the panthers do not have a power play goal in this series yeah and they their composure being lost and their bench being empty at the end of game two i mean yeah vegas bested you in, in all senses and i i think i me personally i think it's gonna be detrimental i think that's gonna carry over into later on in the series because mm-hmm. sure it was on vegas ice it was early on the series they were getting blown out but when you when you show that side of yourself um it, it's it's really just exposing a certain type of weakness that vegas knows they can tap into now yeah if they just want to break you down i mean matt kachuk had three misconducts in two games yeah I, dude and that's that's the guy who's been saving the panthers yeah all, all playoffs so that's 10 minutes each that means he was out for 30 minutes out of 120 yeah <laughs> that's a quarter Jeez. of the time you were sitting in the penalty box Jeez. and you were you might be the best player for florida yeah you are the best player in my opinion except maybe bob yeah I the guess. debates between him and bob right yeah but you can't put bob in the box so. yeah <laughs> yeah i dude you, you need to florida needs to be better disciplined mentally otherwise this championship is going going straight to vegas honestly yeah um, yeah and, it's too easy for them to tap into and regardless of what the situation with the refing is, you know what it is right now. It's going to be inconsistent. But the one thing I found you can counter on NHL refs for is they try to keep the calls even. Yeah. So if they call two penalties on one team, they're going to call two on the other, mm-hmm. right? So where does this benefit? I'm going to say this from the point of view of Florida. Where does this benefit that benefit Florida? Mm-hmm. It is when they play a team that doesn't take a lot of penalties or doesn't take a lot of liberties. That team is not going to get called for many penalties. And because refs want to keep it even, they're going to let Florida get away with more because they don't want to call it unevenly on Florida. Mm-hmm. And this is what Paul Maurice knows and why he's doing the 4-1 to the camera because mm-hmm. he's like, you got to even up some calls here, right? Yeah. So now when they're playing um, a team like Vegas, who I said is not afraid to get dirty, it goes one of two ways. Either the refs call nothing or they call everything. Mm-hmm. And Vegas is fine with either one because mm-hmm. they have great special teams. Yeah. So, so far, the first two games, and kind of game three also, they've called everything. Yeah. And Vegas has taken advantage. Yes. They've been scored a bunch of power play goals. Florida has not been able to take advantage. They have not scored any power play goals. Yeah. And that's been the difference. Yeah. I, I definitely don't want to make it seem like, special, you know, like officiating or whatever has been the difference maker, because the truth is, Florida has had, you know, special teams adva- or like opportunities, and they have not capitalized. Vegas in this game alone, this game three alone, all their goals are on the power play. 
I yeah. mean, you 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 gotta you gotta step it yeah, up at some point. Uh, it's two one. Ten minutes left in the third, and Vegas's two goals have it, been on the power play. Yeah, at some point, Florida's got to step it up, both mentally and just on the special teams. You can't officiating is going to happen. Whatever happens, play hockey. Yeah, you know what I mean. Play better yeah. hockey. It's just that simple. So um, I just wanted to close one thread from the last episode. Uh, we made guesses on who would score the first goals for uh, the playoffs. Yeah. So just to close that thread. Uh, first goal was scored by the Panthers, and it was Eric Stahl. Of all people, yeah. Which neither one of us, we both picked Kachuk. Yeah. Um, Vegas's first goal, which was second overall, was scored by Jonathan Marcheseau, mm-hmm. which uh, was my pick there. So mm. taking a little kudos here. Okay, got it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Uh, shall we move on to some of the other news around the league? Yeah. I think the big team in the news today are the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. Two big moves. One, um, they are... Con- most likely going to be hiring Mike Babcock at the end of the month when his contract with the Maple Leafs is up. Um, the other, they made a big trade for defenseman Ivan Provorov. So um, I think uh, Babcock has a lot of history behind it. Yeah. And I'll give a quick summary for if those of you who uh, were following the story. But a few years ago, Mike Babcock was fired as head coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, and was succeeded by Sheldon Keefe. Babcock was known for kind of treating his players poorly. Uh, one of the things that came out was in Mitch Marner's rookie year, he asked Mitch to make a list of his teammates from hardest working to least hardest working. And then he released that list to his teammates just to kind of create some drama. Um, there's also been a bunch of other stories of Babcock where he benched Mike Madonna when he was sitting at 1499 games played. So Mike Madonna will never play 1,500 games in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, there were stories about Johan Franzen, who hated playing for Babcock, said he had um, anxiety and stress about coming to the rink when he um, played for Babcock. That was in Detroit, I believe. So um, Babcock has kind of gotten this reputation of not treating players well and was kind of fired, and all these stories kind of came out. Um, but now Columbus seems is ready to bring him back into the NHL. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts here? Well, first of all, Columbus has never shied away from hiring unconventional coaches. As we've seen, I think the most success they've ever had was with uh, John Tortorella yeah. behind the bench. Um, mm-hmm. And so me personally, I I do think this is somewhat of a... They intentionally hired Babcock for the shock factor, and it's a little bit of a, a Hail Mary move, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, what is, in my opinion, what, is, what does Columbus have to lose? Um, you know, they finished, well, they finished, no, they were almost at the bottom of the league. Um, they didn't yeah. win the, they didn't win the draft lottery, um, got third overall, but they have a good pick coming. Um, and you know, unless a miracle happens this year and they draft, you know, a Kale McCarr that's just ready to go and just absolutely amazing. Um, why not? Why, what is there to lose in my opinion? Uh, and the only downside I see is, you know, if Babcock's harshness i guess you could say uh hinders the development of this prospect assuming he even plays in the nhl this year Mm -hmm. um at this point i columbus doesn't really have much to lose why not shake it up and it's worked with john torrell the most success that franchise has ever seen has you know been with him behind the bench yeah um i think more so than the prospect there have been concerns about the players Columbus has, namely uh, their top two scorers, Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine, mm-hmm. who both have had issues working with difficult coaches in the past. Yeah. And if this is the same Mike Babcock that we know, 
he's a difficult coach. Yeah. He will push you. And the reason he's being hired is despite whatever he done with the players, he's a good coach. Yeah. He wins new games. Yeah. He's won cups with Detroit. Yes. Yeah. He's won um, cups and deep playoff runs. Yeah. You know, so he has the hockey success part on his mm-hmm. resume, but he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. That's the trade off. We're yeah. going off here, right? Not even kind of seems like he is an asshole. Yeah. So, you know, Babcock did apologize for the thing with Marner. Um, I'm not sure about the other stuff that, well, whatever he said about it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is this going to work? Is this the right coach for Columbus? I guess is the concern. And I think you're right that this is kind of a desperation move. You know, we've seen in the past that general managers will fire their coach as like a Hail Mary because this is their last chance to do something, you know? And Kekalainen, uh, the general manager in Columbus, has had a few wins, but a lot of really kind of big losses, right? They weren't able to keep Artemi Panarin around. Um, they made that big offseason where they signed um, three players, including Matt Duchesne, to come in at I the trade deadline. Duchesne was at a trade, right? Like, yeah, trade, trade deadline. deadline. Uh, yeah, and yeah, then they it. weren't able to keep them in the off any of them in the yeah, offseason. All you know? three of them dipped, yeah. But then there's moves like where he got Patrick Laine or he got Johnny Gaudreau to sign there. But um, outside of beating Tampa the one year, the Columbus hasn't had any playoff success. Yeah. So I think this, for me, my opinion, this is Kekalainen trying to kind of save his job, right? Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out with Babcock or whoever coach he hires, yeah, um, he's next, right? Yeah. I So I'm glad you actually brought up that that offseason. I think it was the 2019 offseason where all three of them left, despite, you know, the fact that that was the first time they had ever won a playoff, that team had ever won a playoff series mm-hmm. and a very impressive one at that. Um, I've always wondered this, like, is is Columbus just not, sure, it's a small market team, but is that like just not a desirable place for any player to go because sure we had Goudreau signed there you know line a re-signed there um but it seems like a lot of players just don't want to be in Ohio for whatever reason so yeah so let me ask you to clarify here by desirable place do you mean it's Columbus is not a city where they want to live or do you mean um it's not a place they think they can win a city they want to live because there's so many players that I mean literally Panarin Mm -hmm. he left because he wanted to live in a big city that was you know yeah thriving or whatever and and i understand like sure all the jokes aside ohio has you know had its problems and stuff and you know that's that's true even in the nba but um i for me i'm just like is that the real reason that columbus has not been able to retain talent the same way you know arizona has or whatever hasn't Um, been able to i think it's a factor but Mm -hmm. i don't think you can pin that because outside of a few marquee cities no one, nowhere really has that kind of draw, right? Like, for example, um, Columbus will never measure up to LA or New York, you know, or just Vegas, call, or Vegas yeah. just yeah. those big, shiny, glittery cities, right? For the Canadians who grew up in Toronto, maybe they want to play in Toronto, play for their hometown Leafs, mm-hmm. right? It'll never shine up to that, right? Yeah. But is Columbus really any that different than San Jose mm-hmm. or Anaheim? Or, or Vancouver or something, yeah. Yeah, uh, Vancouver is very expensive. Like, I'm leaving Canadian cities out of it because they'll always have hometown people. Yeah. Like, um, or Nashville, mm-hmm. you know? Is it really any that different? Yeah. Like, um, and this is pro sports, right? Winning Trump's all. Yeah. So what does that mean? That just means you're going to have a harder time getting people in free agency. Mm-hmm. Granted. Yeah. But that's not the only way to get players, right? Yeah. You have to develop through a draft. You have to be able to trade. And as soon as you have an inkling of, 
oh, hey, this might be a good core, Mm -hmm. then you're going to start getting free agents because Mm -hmm. winning trumps all. Yeah. Right? I'm actually glad you brought that up because a a very, I kind of just thought of this before Michael Jordan was, you know, Michael Jordan Mm -hmm. and and the Bulls were what they were. um, I believe the the general manager, Jerry Krause, he was not exactly a likable dude, um, but he assembled a absolute God tier dynasty of a team people wanted to start going to Chicago to play, you know, Chicago Bulls, like in the nineties, it wasn't even, it was a brand name at that point, you know, it wasn't just a team and they had no championships before MJ joined the team. They transcended basketball. Yeah, basically. And uh, like, so that's why I say bringing in unconventional leadership, I don't think is always like necessarily, especially if they know what they're doing and they have a winning pass. Mm -hmm. Is it really like a bad idea? You got to like, you know, like if let's be let's be real. If Columbus was a dynasty, players would be going there more often. Yeah, well, way more. Yeah, way more. Let's take a recent example: Tampa Bay. Yeah, are, I, are, you, I, are you any? Is there some giant allure to living in Tampa? There's not. I literally was thinking that right now. It's yeah. like if Tampa wasn't had the success that they had, so, like in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. who would go there? Yeah. They would go to like Florida like, or something. And then you're looking at, okay, I'm going to go to Tampa because it has nice weather and mm-hmm. because I get less taxes. You know, that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. But this is, like I said, winning trumps all, right? Yeah. So the biggest draw to go to Tampa is mm-hmm. that you know this is a team that can win. Yes. And has players that can win. Yeah. And where do they get those players? Drafting. Yeah. Stamkos, Hedman, Vasilevsky, mm-hmm. all draft picks. Yeah. So that's why I personally am not too upset about the uh the babcock hire sure it's a i'm not even gonna lie it is a controversial one yeah i'm not entirely sure how it'll play out at all Mm -hmm. but i don't think we should be so quick to dismiss it because one we need to see has he you know has babcock changed as he claims to have we might get a different babcock yes and and you know like and if he's changed then great then you know like he still has a winning experience um Mm -hmm. you gotta try something new every once in a while yeah and and or sorry, Columbus has shown time and time again um, that John Tortorella is the most successful coach. Coaching uh, his coaching staff has been like the most successful one in the franchise. Yeah, Um, I think you know. I I don't think you should just. I don't think anyone should simply dismiss Columbus for you know what they've done with this hire Mm -hmm. because you really it's really way too early to tell. Let's just see how it plays out, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I hear you on that. You should be trying something new. I think a lot of the critics or the the pushback is, why isn't trying something new getting someone from college or getting someone from the AHL? Because Babcock, Babcock? he has a winning record. Yeah. Sure, he, he he's not the greatest person. He might have changed. I don't know. Yeah. But he, he's won cups. He's had deep playoff runs. Yeah. Can and you really... You can't argue that. You know what? You're right. And if it was Kekalainen, if... Uh, if this really is Kekalainen's job on the line, what does he have to lose at this point? No, I, don't I mean, know. also, if this really is his job on the line, are you going to trust someone who's ever coached in the NHL? Are you going to trust? Yeah. Even if he is kind of an asshole. Yeah. Someone who's trust coached and won yeah. in the NHL, right? Again, not, not even to go back, keep going back to San Jose as an example, but yeah. David Quinn joined the first year Mike Greer was there. Mike mm-hmm. Greer's not getting fired after one year, after, yeah. especially after having a GM before him that was like you know 20 years there i mean the situation is different right san jose is just starting the rebuild yes columbus has kind of been at the bottom for a while now or just barely making the playoffs right yeah Yeah. so i mean i i think this is it is a gamble It is definitely a hail mary move but in my opinion what the hell do they have to lose true i think i think there's 
either either they fail and they you know keep collecting draft picks um or it works out i don't see how this can be any so, worse than where they're at right now let me ask you this question yeah then. how many years does mike babcock get mm, I, I would say probably two to three max two to three maybe two max honestly at this two, point yeah. for a team that's this year in the draft lottery why you don't think that's enough i don't think that's enough two years i the only reason i say that is because i i mean imagine if imagine if uh joel quenville all of a sudden came back mm-hmm. you're not gonna like you gotta see if he's a changed person or not right like oh i see what yeah. you mean by what yeah. if he's still what if he you know like there's players like yeah you're right. being on the line yeah so you basically you're saying give him like a two-year contract and see how it goes yeah if he's a nicer person or he's not clashing with your players yet. Yeah. Then, um, you can give him some more years to win. Yes. You're not saying he has to start a winning team in two years. No, he doesn't. No, he doesn't have to start. He doesn't have to build a a winning team. He doesn't have to build a dynasty. Let's just see if he's changed. First of all. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So you're saying slow roll this. Yeah. Because I don't truthfully, unless somehow Columbus, you know, got Bedard, which they didn't, uh, or they probably won't like, yeah, I, I mean, this is it. supposed to be a deep draft. Whoever yes. they get at, they have the third pick, right? Whoever they get at third might play in the NHL this year. Sure, but I don't think it's a cup winning team, even yeah. then. Even with Gaudreau and Line, I don't think, you know, it's going to be, mm-hmm. I don't think they're done, basically. So let's see how this Babcock hire plays out, but I don't think it's necessarily one to dismiss early on. Um, I, I think, honestly, I dare I say it, it might work. I think it will work. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. What are you counting as work? Playoffs? or at least very close to it at least uh even if they make the playoffs and get swept in the first round that's a win to me because okay. you can build off of that i think yeah or if you get really close to the to the just so some sort of improvement from the past couple of years because it's yeah. not been great in columbus they lost yeah since 19 since 19 and even in 19 they lost uh yeah. duchene and then, bob uh, and and panarin and then in the bubble uh columbus beat uh toronto toronto but yeah. that was more toronto choked yeah you know what I mean? So like how you can't keep relying on fortune. You need to like mm-hmm. truly build a good team. And I think this is a good inception point. Okay. Yeah. We shall see. I think I'm going to be interested in what happens with Goudreau and Line A. Do they want out of town now? Mm-hmm. Those are two very good players. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing Columbus did real quick was uh, trade for Ivan Provorov. Mm-hmm. Um, Another controversial one. <laughs> yeah. If you guys remember from our like episode two or something like that. It was the first one, actually. Maybe episode one. Yeah. Um, Ivan Provorov kind of started this trend of not wearing pride jerseys. So um, he's in Columbus now mm-hmm. and solidifying that back end with Zach Wierenski. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we shall see. These are... I think you're right. More and more with more moves Columbus makes, it's looking like a Hail Mary. They yeah. got to do something this year. But there's also some teams that just, you know, thrive being the villain, if you want to, if you want to put a label on it, you know, like yeah. we've seen in the NFL, we've seen look it at, in the NBA. Look at Vegas. Yeah, we've seen it. Yeah. Everyone hates Vegas and they're, they're about to win their first cup in whatever, six years. Hey, hey there's, there's still, uh, still a couple, three minutes left in this game. It's still 2-1. Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is done in five. <laughs> yeah. As I predicted. All right. All right. Um, I think that's everything for this one. Uh, you got anything else here? No, I think that's it. But I am uh, very interested to see how, you know, Columbus plays out in the offseason. They might make some, like, bigger moves. Um and bigger trades, bigger signings in the off season. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's a team to keep a watch of because I was very shocked that Babcock was back. I didn't think he was coming back anytime soon. So I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting story to watch as the off season goes on. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So this has been uh, Glass Seats. We're out um, every week. And by next episode, we might have a Stanley Cup champion. I think we will. All right. All right. So you can find us on Spotify, Apple, and Google. We are also on YouTube. So you can find us on YouTube at Spud Network Podcast is the handle. Go ahead and uh, you can also leave us a comment or leave us a review or a rating wherever you guys listen to the show. It really helps us out. We'll catch you next episode. See ya. Peace.